Hi, friends. Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have got a great show in store, y'all. We've got a great show. But before we dive in, I want to take a moment and share about one of our incredible partners, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition really, really simple. We talk all the time about trying to be good friends to ourselves, and a great way to do that is by giving our bodies the rest, exercise, and nutrition they need to thrive. But our busy lives can sometimes leave us deficient in key nutritional areas. AG1 by Athletic Greens, this superfood product, brings comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition to everybody. Keeping up with the research and knowing what to do and taking a bunch of different pills or supplements can be hard on your stomach. Honestly, hard on your brain too, because who can keep up with it all? I can't even keep up with my keys. To help each of us be the best we can be, they simplify the path to better nutrition by giving you one thing with all the best things. It's just one scoop into really cold water every morning, and it contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic green, superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving. The special blend of high-quality bioavailable ingredients and a scoop of AG1 work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, support energy and focus, aid with gut health and digestion, and support a healthy immune system, effectively replacing multiple products or pills with one healthy, delicious drink. Athletic Greens makes it so easy to get so many good-for-me things into my body at one time. I love that. As the research changes, so does AG1. Most nutritional products that come to market never evolve, but Athletic Greens continues to obsessively improve AG1 based on the latest research. They've made 53 improvements and counting over the last decade. AG1 is lifestyle-friendly whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free and contains less than one gram of added sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything. Wow, it still tastes pretty good. Join the movement of athletes, amateurs, first-timers, experts, and everyone in between taking ownership of their daily health and focusing on the nutritional products they really need in the simplest manner possible. The es- that's essentialist nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com slash soundsfun today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash soundsfun to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. Hey, and if you're looking for a way to cross some things off your list today, be sure to pop over to shopanniefdowns.com today, Black Friday through Cyber Monday, for 30% off the entire store when you use the code BLACKFRIDAY21. Black Friday 21, all caps, go for it. We've got signed books, every book in there. I autographed with my own paw. Those adorable, is it Christmas yet, sweatshirts, jean jackets from Abel, and so much more. And just for fun, we're sending you a free, that sounds fun, Frisbee with every purchase while supplies last. Listen, I'm about you having fun. So get you a free Frisbee. Again, it's shopanniefdowns.com and you'll get 30% off with the code BLACKFRIDAY21. Y'all, I'm so excited. We're heading back on the road for the That Sounds Fun podcast tour. We're coming to a city near you in February or March of 2020. It's going to be so fun. The only thing that's going to make it more fun is if you are there. So if you're looking to be the best gift giver around this Christmas, tickets to the tour make a great stocking stuffer. We even have a little card you can download and print out to let your friend or loved one know that you got them the best gift out there. Just go to AnnieFDowns.com events for all the details and to get your tickets. I cannot wait to see y'all. 
Today on the show, I get to talk again with my friend Charles Robinson and his wife, Susan. Charles and Susan Robinson and their nine children share Native American cultural presentations with the focus on unity through diversity. They dance at powwows. You remember I went a couple of weeks ago, participate in sacred ceremonies, and promote traditional Native American values in a contemporary world. They recognize the importance of honoring their heritage through dance, language, and seeing the world from a tribal perspective. Y'all remember Charles? He was on the podcast just a few weeks ago. And that day we talked about him coming back with his wife, Susan, to create space for some Q&A and further conversation. They are so gracious and I am so grateful we get to continue to learn from them. We intentionally scheduled this conversation to be right after Thanksgiving because November is Indigenous Peoples Month. And we thought it'd be a great time to keep these ideas in front of our minds as we gather with friends and family this season. I'm so thankful to Charles and Susan letting us come to them, uh, not as educated as they are, and them teaching us over and over. I'm just so thankful. So here is my Q&A conversation with Charles and Susan Robinson. Charles and Susan, welcome to That Sounds Fun. Charles, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for bringing Susan with you. Susan, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. really glad you're here. We are, I mean, as y'all know, after you were on the show in October, Charles, for uh, Indigenous Peoples Day, we had an influx of people wanting to know more and wanting to ask more. What was y'all's experience after being on the show? Well, I, it is it's pretty amazing to see the number of followers that we began to get on the Red Road Instagram mm-hmm. page. Uh-huh. And Susan oversees all of that, but she kept telling me, look, we're getting more, where, where are all these people coming from? <laughs> so it's pretty neat. Susan, were you just so surprised? I was very surprised. Oh, I'm so glad. That's our favorite thing. We talk a lot around here about the most fun thing for me is to be a bridge. I just love Mm -hmm. being a bridge and bridging people to stuff that's way cooler than me. So thank you all for letting us do that. so fun. And, you know, we received emails and stuff through Instagram and and, uh, through the website. uh, And people are just really encouraging and inquiring and asking questions. So it's been a... Really neat experience. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad. The last time I saw you since then was at the powwow, the yes. edu- educational powwow in Tennessee. It was amazing. How did that one compare, Susan, to some other ones you've been to? Is that what they're all like, or are they all different? Or um, it's a lot different out west. Oh really? Um, yeah, with the powwows here in Tennessee, they have a lot of uh, tourists. Yes. So usually the native dancers are in the circle uh-huh. dancing. Uh huh. And but back home, the the center is filled with people and um, outside the circle as well. So there's not that many tourists out west. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's a little different. Yeah, Just, yeah. I mean, I do you know? Bef- was it even before y'all got there that they invited us into the circle to dance? Do you know that part? Oh, that did I they? got to dance. It oh, was- that's. Awesome. That's I wish awesome. I had a video of that. I have a video. I can show you. We had the <laughs> best time, me and my two friends who went. We just got out in the mid. They said, anybody's welcome. Mm. And Fallon, who works with us, said, well, I'm going to go. And then all of a sudden, Jamie and I were like, well, we can't miss out. We got to go do this. for <laughs> one chance. It was awesome. They had a couple of dancers leading us. And so it was a really special event. Will you say again how people can find powwows near them that they can attend like that? Yeah, time? you can go really to powwows.com and, and, and find out about powwows going on all over the U.S. and Canada. And for those who don't know, a powwow would kind of like 
Oktoberfest is for uh-huh. Germans okay. without the alcohol, uh-huh. where we come together and we just uh, share in each other's cultures. Yeah. And most of these powwows out in the southeastern part of the states uh, are much more intertribal in that you have all these different native people yes. from all these different tribes coming together. But when you get out west of South Dakota, Montana, and up into Canada, uh, while they're still open to everybody, they're more tribal-specific. Um, okay. Uh, and so, uh, and so, like the powwows we go to here, there may be you know five thousand people come out, and about ninety percent of them would be tourists yes. or, or or non-natives. Let me say, yes. Back home, back on the reservations out west, the powwows we hit, it's probably about ninety, ninety-five, ninety-eight percent natives that are there, with fewer non-natives coming to it, only because it's in native communities. So, so Susan, at those, is the goal different? Because here I know the goal, the one I got to attend, is educational mm-hmm. and selling beautiful things that Native Americans have made and kind of like using it as an income experience and opportunity for all the different booths. When out west in South Dakota, if it's just your tribe, mm-hmm. is it still meant to be educational or is it actually a gathering? Um, it's just a gathering. Um, okay. Yeah, we just come together to dance, and to sing, and to see to see each other. So okay, so do they do they still do things like build the t- so they built teepees there? The one I went to, they showed what it would look like, and then there was also that awesome fried bread. <laughs> do you get all that out west? Um, we do, but the teepees that we have out west, people actually stay in them. Oh, they're like staying. <laughs> yeah, yes. so like here, it's just like a model, yeah, like for people to come and see. But yes. out west, people actually stay in them. Yes, so. I'd never been inside one before. I went inside all three. It was so cool. They're <laughs> massive. Yeah, I mean, they the 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 thing I had never known from seeing it on TV or up close. I don't know why my brain didn't comprehend this. Is the the sticks they use are huge, and the mm-hmm. ability to wrap that high it just all is different when you're standing next to one yeah mm-hmm. it's incredible it's probably true about buffalo too would be my other bad they're very different <laughs> when you're standing right by one how many different tribes were represented at that powwow i was at oh my goodness Charles. Uh, i don't even know you know there's I, I would think there's easily be 30 or 40 different tribes represented but yeah, I, that's I, don't how, know I mean certain. so many different colors because mm-hmm. my am i remembering and reading it correctly that each different like set of colors was a different tribe no, 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 no. They're just yeah. They have different dancers. Will have different beadwork, um, oh. and different like designs that are from their tribe or from their family, and you know sometimes they've dreamt about the designs. So um, we like color. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. There's no specific color for yes. Not that I'm aware. Yeah. Oh. I'll post today when people are listening to this, I'll post some pictures again of the powwow just so they can see the colors were incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, I, we all were just stunned when everyone was dancing together. And so we like, I've, I've just never seen anything like that in real life. Yeah. Oh, wow. Absolutely beautiful. I loved it. So we got a bunch of questions that have come in from our friends listening. Let's start with this. The, the We had multiple questions come in. And so for our friends listening, what we're going to do is we've kind of split up the questions into sections versus reading each person's individual one. But this conversation about tribes, I mean, there are a couple of different people saying a lot of us, a lot of white people currently use the phrase tribe to talk about the people we gather with. Our friend group might be a tribe or, you, you know, go find your tribe of people who do similar work as you. And our friends asking are saying, like, 
Is that offensive that we're using it that way? Or does that make y'all feel a certain way when white people are using the word tribe to talk about our gathering of friends? I don't think so. I think if you, um, I mean, if you use the word native, you know, to, oh, we're a bunch of natives here, but it, because that's kind of a term that y'all gave us. Mm -hmm. And so we're just, so that's ours. Right, <laughs> right, right. That makes sense. Because, you know, we think of tribes here, we think of the, you know, 573 different tribes, federally recognized tribes and states, but there are tribal people throughout the world. Right, and if we really go back far enough, every people group at one time was a part of a tribe somewhere, yeah. somewhere at some point in history. But uh, I, I wouldn't say it's really necessarily an offensive term uh, to make reference to your tribe of people or yeah. or friends. Uh, someone did ask the difference between a federally federally recognized tribe and unrecognized tribes. Right. Are there unrecognized tribes? There are. So you've got federally recognized tribes and state recognized tribes. Uh, and it to be a federally recognized tribes and get federal funding uh, for your tribe, uh, there are certain qualifications you have to, okay. you know, and it's a, a very strenuous uh, process to go through and get federal recognition. Okay. Great. I did not know that. Susan, one of the things, you know, while we're talking about the use of the word tribe, what about the word use of the word powwow? Like if we say, hey, let's have a powwow to talk about the thing we've got going on tomorrow. Like, is that something that we're using incorrectly more so than tribe? For me personally, like when I hear people say, oh, we're going to go powwow and they're not natives, I um, it, it doesn't resonate with me. Okay. And nor can I like, you know, I don't know what word to replace what um, they're trying to use. But mm -hmm. it's just I don't like for me personally. I, yeah. No, I, I'd agree. I think so. Uh, it's um, I, I think a lot of what it is, Annie, is that we've got phrases or, um, or 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 different things, whether it be mascots or things where people have have, have taken from our culture words, powwow, etc. They've taken from our culture and they they make it their own mm -hmm. without ever really giving any recognition to our native people on it. Mm. You know, we have a lot of states here in the United States that are named after using tribal words. Um, you have uh, sports teams using our likeness and our image. And it's just another example of taking from us yeah. without ever offering anything in return. Got it. And the word powwow, would, I think, would, would fall in that. that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's keep talking about the mascot idea if we can, because that we had a handful of friends kind of pop in and say, how do you feel about so many mascots being removed from schools and street names? One friend is asking, my, friend, my question is, are the high school names and mascots offensive? And how do we advocate for those offended? There's another parent who said, you know, our school before COVID was about to vote this out. And then COVID happened and it's fallen off the radar. How do I get it back on the radar? So can we just have that bigger conversation? Is it offensive to you? I mean, obviously enough mm -hmm. that the Washington Redskins are now the Washington football team. Correct. And it, the, I've been Atlanta Braves fan. I mean, yeah. we just won the World Series. It's been my team my whole life. I was pulling for the Astros. Dang, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry for you. But, and I know we've, you know, we used to have a Chief Nakahoma, and he was retired many years ago. And they don't really do the tomahawk chop anymore, so there's pieces that are going away. What is the feeling around mascots? 
Well, I would, I would, well, let me just say this first. I, anybody, I, I mean, three million natives live in the United States today, right? Oh. So any, any two you ask may think differently on it. I'll share my thoughts on yes. it. Is that the mascots can be very offensive. Yeah. And, and like Chief Nakahoma, right? I mean, it, it, it's yeah. just kind of uh, the name and, and it's it's kind of a play on it. Normally, normally it, it depicts us as a, as a caricature of something that we're not. Yes. Give you an example down in uh, Fort Walton Beach. Um, we do some work down there and uh, that's traditional Choctaw territory. Mm-hmm. So you have Choctaw Hatchie High School down there and their mascot, it says home of the big green Indian. And it's a stereotypical oversized head with a large nose the native wearing a headdress, and the yeah. Choctaw back in that day never wore headdresses. We didn't live in teepees down there. Wow. The name of the gymnasium where they played basketball is called the Reservation. Um, oh, so gosh, there, there's yeah. a number of these things, and even even some of the, the totem poles and stuff they may have do not accurately represent the Choctaw people, right? Got it. Yeah. So uh, my take on it is that if a school wants to use a native imagery as a mascot or as a representative of their school, I— my take has always been they, they should check with the tribe that is traditionally in those lands oh, and wow. go to this tribe and say, hey, we, you know, the the Cherokee were here, the Shawnee were here, the Lakota were here traditionally, and we would like to use that. Can we get tribal permission to do so? Mm-hmm. And can you help us develop a way to best represent you guys, whether yes. it be a display case or whether it be a, a curriculum, educational curriculum Brilliant. to offer to the, the students yes. to learn where, where you're giving back and you're, and you're trying to say, hey, let's keep the culture alive. However, if the tribe steps in and says, no, we really don't want you to use our imagery, I think that needs to be respected. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think we sh- that's a, a healthier way to do it is because you wouldn't go, say, Europe, you wouldn't go to the French and say, is it okay if we do this and this and this with Germans, right? Right. You got two different countries. Right. Two different people groups. Right. In the United States today, with 573 tribes, that's a lot of different people groups. Right. While there's a lot of overlap and similarities, yes. as a, and, and like with the Florida State Seminoles, um, the, you know, the Florida State worked with the Seminole tribe to come up with the imagery and the stuff they do, really? right? Really, did they? So as a Choctaw guy, I don't have the right to go to the Seminoles and say, you know, you guys, you shouldn't let them use your imagery because we're a different nation. Yeah, right? okay. But I think just having that conversation with tribal people mm-hmm. um, and open it up and letting them say, hey, if you're, we're okay with you doing it, but and and hear the parameters it needs to stay within, yeah. so that it can continue to be an educational opportunity. Yes, that is, that's a great. That's really helpful. Do you have thoughts on that? Does it make you emotional? No, okay. no, it, no. It's just for me, mascots. It just, it's just another way to, you know, to show we're not real, like we're not here. And because I don't see any other people group that is used as a, on the football team, soccer team, or whatever, right, and I don't see their imagery all over the place mm-hmm. um, in the way that they have ours. And they, they like Charles says, the ca- uh, caricature. The caricature. Huh? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm. I agree with Charles in the part where to educate, like not to totally remove, if. If it's okay with the tribe, mm-hmm. and then again at the same time, I 
I prefer them to be removed. The only problem with that is that um, because Native people are not really seen today, I mean, they're kind of a little bit um, lately. It's a win-win and a lose-lose a little bit. Mm -hmm. If you remove them, then you also remove the opportunity to educate. Right, right. But if you don't remove them, the the, the caricature caricature part is what is hurtful. Right, And, and just... The way how we're represented in mm-hmm. in society today, yeah. and everybody, most people, um, not everybody, but most people see us when they think of natives, they think of like the feathers and from the seventeen eighteen hundreds, right. and they don't see us how we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's you know so it's I think it's just easier for people to dismiss us if we're like part of the you know mascot. Yeah issue yes but so what do we do so our school is a if you know someone's listening going yeah my school are the Cherokee or my school are is is the Indians the Cleveland Indians for example like so if it's a high school or somewhere where we can step in and do something what's the next move um well I have a friend who actually there's a mascot in Cookville Uh I believe and so I have a friend named Sayoda, Sayoda Knight who has been working for them to try to remove the mascot because the way how they, you know, depict us is, yeah. is, is like really offensive. Like like you were saying, like one place, they, they call the gym the reservation. Yeah. Um, and then they speak about—there's another um, school here in Tennessee that talks about the, the, like, the smoke signals and there's, you know, just right. different—I don't— feel like a lot of people know enough about Native people for them to, like, just go on their own and say, okay, well, we're going to keep our mascot, mm-hmm. but we're not going to um, ask any Natives, like, if what their thoughts are. Mm-hmm. and Because there's so many that just don't don't want mascots at all. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, I don't. Yeah. I would prefer them not to yeah. be there. However, at the same time, I try to look for different educational opportunities to be able to teach people, like, mm-hmm. the true history of who we are and, you know, what we represent. So. Yeah. I mean, y'all just got to do this at your kid's school, right? Yeah. I just saw a video yeah. that your son yeah. danced for the first time. He did. This particular style of hoop dance he's yeah. never done before. So It looked awesome. Yeah. But I would say to kind of answer the question from my perspective is if, if your school is in area, I would, I would look up and find out what tribe was there traditionally, mm-hmm. approach that tribe and just say, hey— you know. How do you approach that tribe? Like, if I grew up in Georgia, and it's Cherokee land right. everywhere. So maybe I—is it something I Google? Yeah, you can just call it Cherokee Nation, Eastern okay. Band of Cherokees out in uh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, and just just begin to inquire. Okay, okay, we can do that. We can use our Googler. I believe in us. I'm so I'm I'm learning already. We're 12 minutes in, and I'm learning so much. I'm so thankful uh, y'all are willing to do this today. Thank, Thank you, you for hearing our questions and. Letting us, letting me ask these well and not well. I'm, I'm going to do the best I can, but you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm learning as we go too. So, I'm grateful for y'all. Okay, so let's keep talking about educating kids. Let's let's stick with children. We have a couple of different questions that have come in about what advice do you get? Oh, I love this one. What do you advice do you give to non-native parents who are raising indigenous children? Because this this family has adopted Lakota children. Mm-hmm. So let's even expand that a little bit. So let's help that mom and dad. But, you know, if they are Native children in our community, how do we how do we help them connect with their heritage 
when they aren't being raised necessarily by Native right. families. Like Charles said before, is regarding the mascots, approach the tribe. Okay. And because if they're Lakota, you know, they would be anywhere in North Dakota, South Dakota. And, um, they can call you. <laughs> or they can call me. I'm Lakota. <laughs> and what's and, the kind of questions we should ask? You know, I would I would think, I, I think if you recall the tribes and you were to say, you know, we've got uh, a Lakota child in our in our community or in our home, and we want this child to know their culture. We understand there's some restrictions on what we can do and, and how, but we just want to be able to educate the children yeah. to know their culture. Uh, and any resources, ask them any resources you have, whether it be uh, language tapes, books, coloring books, anything mm-hmm. that's age appropriate, and, and bring it in and, and, and let the kids learn. The key, though, is going to be to find a Native family or community wherever you're at. Okay. Right? Even if it's not necessarily tribally Even if exact. it's not tribally specific. Yeah. Just to be around other Native people because right. there's something about that. So like here in Middle Tennessee, there's been many times when we've met families who, just like what you're talking about, they have Native children and they don't know their culture. And... Susan will help them with their outfits if they want to dance, or we will oh, talk wow. to them about different parts of our cultures. And, uh, yeah, so to reach out, because it's really about community, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's really about growing in a community. Mm-hmm. And we had a couple of people, Susan, I wonder if Red Road has some of these resources. A couple of our friends are saying, I'm a teacher, I'm in the system of educating kids, I'm raising my kids, and I don't just want to teach them about Native Americans in the 1700s. I want to teach them about Native American life today, which I think is, I thought it was so cool. We got multiple of those questions. Love it. So how do we educate kids on Native American life in 2021? I would say go to the reservation. Really? Go visit? (laughs) Go visit. And because it's a whole different world there. Mm -hmm. I actually like it a lot better there just because it's it's so different out here than it is there. Um, You know, I was raised on my—I was born on my dad's reserve, which is in South Dakota, and raised on my mom's reserve in Alberta, Canada. And just being in the— community, you know, there, there's there's certain things that, you know, the, the different values. Mm-hmm. Like my girls, every time we come here in the city, um, when they come home from the reserve, the, the goals for the girls are like, what kind of makeup do you wear? What kind of clothes? Or what kind of fashion? What kind of, and, and, but when you go home, when the girls um, go home to my reserve, they're asking, they're being encouraged to become like, how are you becoming more kind? How, oh, wow. how, are, are you, you know, to pray, like to smudge, to, um, and smudging is like yeah. with sweet grass. But what I, that I, is. Yes. It's like here, it's, they use sage. Uh-huh. Um, back home, we sweet, sweet grass. Okay. Yeah. So even just getting to go and visit at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, just going to the reserve because it's just very different there. And the goals are different. And because we're a community and because out here it's much more individualistic, like yes. individual nuclear families, mother, father, children, mm-hmm. and their uncles and aunties and grandparents are somewhere else who yes. occasionally come and visit. Yes. Whereas on the reserve, it's much more connected and more of an extended family. Mm-hmm. And so here people feel like, you know, what, what's What's their goal, like their career, their their education, and how they're going to provide for their little nuclear family? Whereas on the reserve, it's like our Native communities, ours is like, how do we help each other? 
You know, yeah. the, but the, the, the issue that we have right now is that because so many, like, Indian boarding schools have been throughout the United States and Canada, and because they're, they've been throughout the United States and Canada, we, we have— Until 1996. Mm-hmm. I want people to hear that, like, people my age were in Native American school. Where they, how, what do they call them? Indian— um, In the States, they're called Indian boarding schools. Yes. And so Canada's. people my age, I'm 41, people my age were in high school— when those were still going on. That mm-hmm. is, this was not a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the first generation not to go. Yeah. Oh and my and Did my, your parents go? Uh, my parents went, my aunties went, my uncles, my father, my grandparents, their parents. And, they all went to Indian boarding and, and also my older cousins. So five years older, um, they went. Oh so I missed it by like five years. And oh, my gosh. So there's a lot of um, dysfunctions that came out of those schools that yes. have, because you have children who are four years old, um, you know, between four to eight put into school, and, yes. and they have to stay there until they're, like, um, 18. Yes. And so there's a lot of behaviors that they're learning. One is, like, my mom used to tell me that she says, all the bad habits I knew I learned from the school. Mm-hmm. And she said, when I was home, you know, you, you're taught to be, you know, to help each other, mm-hmm. you know, to be kind, to be loving, to be generous, and to, you know, to take care of each other. But in the school, you had to, like, watch out for yourself uh-huh. because if the nuns and priests or supervisors, whoever was working, would turn child- have children tell on each other or, or they would praise one child over the other. Mm-hmm. And so there was just a lot of different behaviors that came out of there. So even though in the communities where there's a little bit of where there's a little bit of division, you know, that's just a behavior that comes from the school, yeah. but it's still deep rooted that we take care of each other in our yes. community. Yes. So that's still that's still effective like throughout the United yes. States and Canada. And even though we have all the dysfunctions that we inherited from the boarding school. Mm-hmm. So I texted Charles after I watched We Were Children and I was like what in the world? I mean, I, I, I could not. So I cannot encourage people enough to go watch We Were Children. It is, it is not fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And do not watch it with children. But I learned. And, and then I, as I was telling you before we started, our book club just read The Tender Land, and, which starts in a boarding school, an yeah. Indian boarding school, and, and has a lot of that, uh, those stories in there that sounded just like We Were Children, just like what yeah. I had watched on that documentary. I might at some point want to get talked to one of your cousins. I'm just so interested. I want to hear. I want to have a conversation with someone who has survived. Oh, then Indian you would like. School. Then you would talk to my mom. Okay. Yeah. Maybe she, we'll do that. If, yeah. We'll we'll be in touch about it. I would love that mm-hmm. if she'd be willing. Charles, when we want to educate kids, I mean, how do we tell kids about Indian boarding schools? Wow, that's uh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Right, because you don't want to hide reality from the kids. Um, but there, I, I think there is a way of, of walking kids into it educationally. Because we don't want to repeat it. No, absolutely not. You know, one of, one of the things that we've done is we've shared some of the stories. We can, you can share some of the dysfunction without going into the details of yes. the sexual abuse and, and the, so that there's a way to kind of introduce it to children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things I've done is I've, if I share with this, especially on the elementary and junior high level, mm-hmm. and I, I would just encourage and say, if you have a younger sibling, raise your hand, mm-hmm. right? And they'll raise their hands, and I'll say, okay, now, can you imagine what would happen if you were not allowed to see 
your younger siblings in the entire school year. Or you guys are here at school today, what if you weren't able to go home today to visit to see your mom and dad or your uncles or aunties mm-hmm. or grandma, that you couldn't see them until the summertime, that you were just taken away from them? Uh, and and you can see the kids' eyes kind of open up and they get kind of sad looking because they realize, wait a second, why would somebody do that? Yeah. Why would somebody remove children from their families? Yes. You know, because that was never that was never part of God's plan is for kids to be raised in institutions. Right. Where we justified it historically, we justified by what well, we put them in a Christian school and educate them and all these things. But even had that been done in a healthy way, it was still outside of God's plan for children to be raised in an institution instead of being raised in a loving home, yes. in a loving community. Yes, yes. Uh, man, I'm so grateful for what y'all teach us. I'm thankful that the Red Road has so many resources that we can also go download and you know share with our kids. One of our friends is asking, she's, she says, I'm pretty sure the land our family's home is on is Native American land, which is true everywhere in yeah. America. <laughs> yeah. You know what, sister? You're right. I bet you're right. Yeah. So she's saying, how do I, I, I really love the language of this. How do I acknowledge that well in teaching my kids and talking about the land our farm is on without it feeling performative? And like I hear some Native people speak about land acknowledgement. She doesn't want to feel like she's just doing it to perform, but she really wants her kids to understand the land they're on. You know, I think I think part of that is um, is re- is realizing that we are stewards of the land. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, anything that that God gives us, we're stewards of it, right? Yeah. It's not ours to necessarily own, possess, and control. Other than, and how can we use whatever it is that God gives us? Our time, talents, gifts, whatever it is. How can we use that to glorify God? How can we use that to share? Yeah. I've got some friends here that have. Uh, land around Middle Tennessee, Mm -hmm. and they're always opening it up to other people to come camp out on or or just spend the weekend or whatever it might be, right? So for somebody who has, I I think, one, acknowledging that and and sharing, especially with your children, that this land is historically from this particular tribe would have, you know, would have been here. And let's look for ways to share um, in, in, in that not necessarily the culture, but in the giving spirit that uh, this tribe hopefully would have had. Yeah. What a great idea to talk about the stewardship of it. Like, this is whose land it was. And and let's talk about how they stewarded it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if you're you're growing crops, if you're, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're raising corn, let's say, let's give X percent, whatever percentage it is of our crops, let's give it to an organization or, or the value of that. Yeah to an organization or to a people group or to somebody in our community who's in need. Mm. Let's find a way to give back yeah. from that which we we have. Yeah. It's, let's, we'll stay on the education. For our friends listening, we have this all separated into sections of all, how the questions came in. So, Susan, I like this one where she says, this friend of ours says, uh, she has Native ancestry. She knows her someone in her family was Cherokee, but she looks white. And she doesn't want to appropriate anything, but would like to honor that part of her heritage. What's what does that look like to start? How do you honor the the heritage you have if you don't look Native American? My thoughts on that are: if you're Native, you're Native. Okay. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter if you're you're dark, light, or you know you don't look like you're 
stereotypical Native. Yeah. Because a lot, there's been a lot of, you know, there's African-American Natives. There's, you know, um, it feels weird to say white Natives. No, but that, that makes that, sense. I know what you mean. Uh, but Natives who have, you know, white blood in them. Yes. And, but I think if you're Native, you're Native. And there's a little bit of um, where some say, some have told me, I feel like I'm Native, so I'm, you know, this is what I do. And mm. I, I just nod. I yeah. mean, because it's not my walk. It's their walk. Um, yeah. You know, however, at the same time, there's so many different people here in the United States and Canada who, you know, like scholars, people who've become, um, they've written books and they say, I'm from this tribe and this tribe. And, you know, however, mm-hmm. like being able to document where you come from, yes. at least having like, if you come from the Cherokee Nation, that you're somewhere on, along your lineage, that you're able to at least look back and say, this is where it is, and not just guess. Because we, right. we've had so many friends here in Tennessee who've told us, I'm you know, this much Native, and I have, like, I met someone last week who said they're Lakota and Blackfoot, and they and I was like, oh, wow, I've never, I said, where, where, where where's your families from? Yeah. And they said a whole different place, like New Mexico for Lakota, and mm. I think it was like California for Blackfoot. And mm. I, so I... And you just have to sit there and be like, uh. <laughs> And like, in, when I first came here, I was probably a little bit more harsh mm. with people, just because I didn't, it, it was such a, um, it was it was strange to me yes. um, that so many people, because I don't see, hear, one thing I don't hear a lot of people saying is my great-great-grandfather was black. Right. And um, or whatever, but I hear it consistently. Um, my great great father was native, and I've been told that you know some people have said that Pocahontas is their great grandmother. Oh gosh! And I um, and uh, and I look at them. And I'm like, but I was unaware that she had any children. Mm. I thought she died before she had children. Yeah. And so just like if they're gonna you know research. And have some a little bit of accuracy, if you, even though you don't look like it. Like, right. I, I have friends who have, like, very blue eyes, mm-hmm. very light skin and light hair. and But I know who their family line comes yeah. from, and so do they. Yes. And it's not just something that they've, like, created. Mm-hmm. And so that there's a little, like, we could all track down where our family line comes from, yeah. especially if you're here in the States, if, yeah. you're, if you're native here from the States. Yes. Because I know my great-great-grandfather's. Right, like I have, you know, there's just Manitsiku is my my mother's grandfather, wow. and so that's her. You know, there's just so many, and there's no English translation for that. Mm-hmm. So we know like several generations of who our family come from, where our families come from. But if somebody, if this is their, if they look white, I mean, that that doesn't mean anything. It's just you know, research your do the research, mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about another one of our incredible partners, Olive and June. Y'all know this about me. I like to have painted nails. I just do. I love a little pop of color or sometimes a nice neutral to complete a look, but also welcome to Christmas where we and New Year's where our nails are going to get fancy. They're going to get fancy. I'm just not the best at doing my own nails. I try, but they end up looking not great. They either chip easily or they're not smooth, but the alternative is spending a lot of money and time I don't have to get regular salon manis. 
But do not fear. Olive and June's Manny System is here to save the day. They make it possible to have do-it-yourself manicures that look salon perfect and last for over seven days. Can you believe it? Olive and June's Manny System comes with everything you need for a great-looking DIY manicure. All packed in one box and only five steps. It comes with an easy-to-grip handle called a poppy that fits on all their bottles and steadies your hand so that you can get a smooth coat of paint on both. The Manny System with six polishes breaks down to about $2 per manicure. I mean, y'all, that is less than what I used to spend for just like one manicure in the salon. And the Olive and June polish is beautiful. They have tons of options. The polish, especially with their signature top coat, is so shiny. It looks just like gel and it does not chip. It lasts a whole week, which is much longer than my do-it-yourself efforts typically last. The Olive and June Manny system is the secret behind salon perfect nails at home. All in one, no guessing, no messy nails, no salon price tag. And as one of my friends, you get 20% off your first Manny system at oliveandjune.com with my code that sounds fun. Your new nail life is here. Get 20% off your first Manny system when you use the promo code that sounds fun at oliveandjune.com. We're done with expensive fat manicures, especially for the holidays, you guys, okay? This is the new us. Oliveandjune.com and the code is that sounds fun. And now back to our conversation with Charles and Susan. One of the questions in the same section that I really liked was, I liked all of them, but this this friend of ours says her son's fiance is Native American. And she just is like, I feel very uneducated and afraid I'm going to offend her when I'm not meaning to. That has to happen all the time. I've, it's probably happened eight times since we've been friends, Charles. And I've said something <laughs> like, Annie doesn't know this is mildly offensive. How, how do we do that? How do we help someone who who has, you know, now she's going to have this woman in her family mm. that's Native American and she doesn't want to be offensive. So how, what's the education look like? How do we start? What do those conversations look like? I think just like that right there saying, hey, uh, I'm just going to let you know now, I'm going to say some stuff that's offensive and I really don't mean to, but it's out of my ignorance. And I'm asking you in advance for to have some grace and forgiveness for me when I ask some really dumb sounding questions. Yes. Right. Yeah. Just kind of lay it out there. And uh, and and once the communication starts, once the once community begins, then it's a, it becomes a safe place to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? So put yourself in that situation. What's the what's the first couple of conversations that would be easy entry for this mother in law? Like what tribe are you from? Is that an easy yeah. entry mm-hmm. conversation? Mm-hmm. What else? Yeah, we're we're. Um, where are your people from? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what kind of, you know, ceremonies or what kind of, like, did you did y'all live in teepees or did you live in? What did the Choctaw live in if not teepees? What? Well, we lived in more of these thatched roof huts. Oh, okay. Huts, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think just what Susan's saying, just feel free to open up and ask questions. Tell me about, tell me about your family, mm. right? Uh, and as people begin to talk about their family, like if, I, if somebody would ask Susan, tell me about your family, that would begin to encompass the land, the people, the the countryside, the foods. Mm-hmm. It, it it really opens the door to a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so starting off asking, where's your, where's your family from? Where's your uh, your tribe from? And and to ask your tri- where's your tribe from is okay. I, some people are not really sure how to say that, or, okay. or what's your nation? I've heard people say that, but I think for the most part, if you say, hey, you know, uh, where, where's your tribe from? Where are your people from? Mm-hmm. Who's your family? Can you mm-hmm. share a little bit about where you come from? Yeah, mm-hmm. and then in turn, be willing to all, all you know 
offer up about your own family and maybe where they came from and around the world? Yeah. You and I went over this question ahead of time. So before people hear me ask it, I want them to know that we've discussed this ahead of time. While we're talking about marriage, uh, I thought this was an interesting question. This person is saying, you seemed very accepting of Charles from when you were on the show last time. If our friends didn't hear that, that's episode 333. Because you said you wanted your children to marry Native American people. I support that too, says the friend asking if that's his preference. But why is it okay for you to say that yet this person feels like they'd be attacked if they said they wanted their kids to marry someone who's white. <laughs> Great question, though. Golly, what I know, a good what an question. honest question. I thought so, too. That's why I was glad we got to... Yeah, I, 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 would say, I, I would say the difference um, would be um, if I were to say, I really want my daughters or my son to marry a brown-skinned person, um, that would be different, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of, let, let's replace the word white with, say, somebody is Norwegian, and they say, I'd really like for my children to marry Norwegian or Scandinavian children or, or, or spouses, right? So, and, and for part of the reason for us is because our culture is so real and so alive. And my hope is that um, their spouses would want to participate or be accepting of our culture. And our experience has been that a lot of times non-natives are, are not so much accepting of it. Oh wow! Um, when they marry in, it, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in the the, the Christian world, mm-hmm. uh, and most of that wow. is out of uh, a lack of um, understanding of it. Yes, of course. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, and, and, and I know I, it, it does sound bad. Yeah, I want my kids to marry white people. Yeah, you'd you know you'd be torn feathered if if you were to throw that out there, right? Mm-hmm. But also, like if you look in the sixties, I mean, people were killed and beaten if they even tried to date a black man. Yes. So it was, you know, we're not trying to kill anybody. We're just, we just want our children to be able to, like, whoever they, whoever it is that is for them, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we would, you know, whoever they choose to love and, you know, that that they marry is that, is that they're happy and that they're, they're loved mm-hmm. and that they're able to, you know, just walk through life together and with non-natives it's a little bit difficult for a native to marry a non-native because then you have to explain everything (laughs) then you you like literally spend the whole time like okay we do this because of this we do this Mm -hmm. and then the culture is just very different like out here um outside native communities um i do like that you say in (laughs) and out i think that's really interesting is that here if you have if you don't if you don't make good eye contact here, then you're considered sketchy mm-hmm. and disrespectful. Whereas in our community, you wouldn't make some intense eye contact with elders. Like I wouldn't like I've met men who would, you know, greet Charles, but they'll greet me with their eyes lowered. Yeah. Out of respect. And, out of respect. Ah, and so so the so it's such a difference. Yes. And you know, with my mom, my mom married a man who was he he was a white man, mm-hmm. um, Scots Irish, I guess, mm-hmm. and uh, that was that was really hard for her because she, you know, not only did she have this whole cultural difference in their lives, but she also was removed from her reserve. She wasn't allowed. Sure. Yeah, she wasn't allowed to 
be on her reserve. So she, she, she got kicked off the reserve mm-hmm. because she married a white man. Oh, wow. And, you know, I don't know how many white people marry someone else and they're kicked out of, maybe they're kicked out of their family. But for us, it's more, it, at that time, um, it was called Bill C-31. That, oh, wow. Mm-hmm, that which established, that allowed women to regain their rights back. Because my mom, you know, she, when she um, married my sibling, older sibling's dad, um, she lost her rights as a Native person, and so she wasn't allowed to live on the reservation. So my grandparents, so, so when my mom and her husband separated, and my two brothers and sister, my mom couldn't take care of them on the reserve. So she had to have them, she had to work off the reserve, oh, wow. and then they had to stay with my grandparents. So, 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 wow. if, so if you can imagine that, because her mom, tribal member, marries a non-Native she lost her status as a Native person up in Canada. Mm-hmm. But now, listen to this, Annie. If it was a Native guy who married a non-Native woman, the woman gained Native status oh, on the reserve. That's a, right? That, mm-hmm. Doesn't seem right. Thank you. Right. So, so we have a lot of reasons why. Like, it's just we'd like our bloodline to be stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, like I— would like the kids to like each time they marry outside of a tribe that they're um, they're the tribe that they're affiliated with becomes more diluted, mm-hmm. so their children won't be able to have acceptance because of the the government's mandate of like you have to have this much percentage of native blood Got to it. be allowed to register here, and so if they marry a non-native, their child won't be able to depending on how much blood she has. Yes. Like, I'm half Lakota, half Blackfoot. So, you know, my children have been, like, our children have been able to be registered. Yes. Um, but if they marry someone who's non-Native, and because Charles is Choctaw, you know, that their bloodline goes into, you know, three, three, four different ways, mm-hmm. and so they marry a non-Native, then it becomes even more diluted, and then their child is not even hardly recognized as a Native, like, legally. Right. Like, by us, they would be recognized, yes. but... By the government and which is an effect for a white person that that is nothing I have to think about because I already am like four percent Scottish, twelve percent English, <laughs> right. some percent German. So, you know, like I already for majority of my friends who are white, we are already a collection mm-hmm. of cultures. Right, we are not one. I now I used to live in Scotland. I have friends that have been Scottish. For their whole their whole lineage is Scottish, mm-hmm. and so that's not me though. That's not most of my American friends. Most of us open ancestry.com or twenty three and Me, and have got single digit percentages for a lot of white, yeah. d- dominantly white countries. Yeah. And so that that to me, as you're teaching me this, I'm realizing like, oh yeah, we're we're not trying to. If I was Scottish, that'd be a different thing. If I was hundred percent Scottish, but I'm I'm American. Yeah. I'm American. That's, right. And, that's you, and, you, and you don't I'm a really, mutt. It's what I am. <laughs> and you don't really lose your whiteness, right. your white citizenship. That's I right. mean, for us, is we lose our, you know, yes. um, our citizenship. Yes. Like my my nephew is half Blackfoot and half Filipino, mm-hmm. and somewhere in his native bloodline, somewhere there there was, uh, I guess, white blood that came in on his his mom's side, um, on her father's side, mm-hmm. and because it's like one eighteenth of that bloodline is gone, he cannot be registered in his tribe. Wow. So, and nor can he be considered, a, like, we have a thing where if we're, cons- if we're 50% Native, then we have the right to work here, 
you know, live here, go to school. Ah. And um, but if we can't prove we're fifty percent native, then we don't have that right. Being born in Canada, right? Yeah, being able to come into the state, so it's yes. it's very convoluted. Wow. Bottom line is, with regards to the marriage, we want our kids to marry somebody they love, sure, regardless, um, and we'll treat them well. Yes, that's bottom line. I believe that. If y'all had a forty-year-old sitting around, I would ask, <laughs> "Can I marry it?" Because I think y'all's family is amazing. I think it's just it is so interesting because you have to. There are so many spiritual physical, cultural, governmental things, political Mm -hmm. things you have to think about that me and my white friends are not thinking about. Maybe some of us are. Me and my white friends are not thinking about that um, when we are picking who to marry. Craig just got engaged. I don't think, do you know even, no. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you don't know where Hannah's, (laughs) what what countries Hannah's from, right. So, but good job getting engaged. We're very excited (laughs) for you. Okay, let's talk about faith for a minute. A couple people had some really specific <clears throat> questions that I, you know me, I love this stuff. So one of our friends says, how does your relationship with Jesus affect the way you embrace your traditional roots, especially in terms of traditional Native American religion? Are there aspects of traditional spiritual practices that align with a spirit that's not from Jesus? And how do you navigate that and, and kind of pick the pearls out? Where does your life with Jesus match some of the Native American culture that traditionally, as far as we've heard, is not Jesus-y. Right. Jesus-y. That's yeah. great, Annie. I'm doing great. I yeah. like that word, jesus I'm, I'm the lowest of the three of us <laughs> who's doing great today. <laughs> you know, I. Um, it's not a, a, a – people look at it as a great divide between following Jesus and native spirituality. But I would suggest it's a very short step. Mm. Right when we take a look at the things that were important to Jesus, uh, all of these qualities, all of these ways of treating people, are are right in line with traditional native values. And I'm being very generic there because there are so many different tribes and sure. different people groups and different belief systems. Mm-hmm. Right, so each tribe may have different beliefs on some of these things, but for the most part, it's about man just loving people. And giving and sharing and helping and all these things that Jesus did, mm-hmm. right? Just living that out mm-hmm. with regards to specifics on what one tribe may believe in who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are, there are so many similarities, right? Uh, that it's not a it's it's not a big step. You know, just like Paul in, in the book of Acts, you know, about this unknown God, right? And yeah. let me tell you a little bit about who I believe this this is. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we don't really find that conflict at all. The conflict we find, and, and we've ministered on a lot of different tribes, yes. the conflict we find is from the damage that has been done by Christians that came before us. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's sure. really it. And Native people, generally speaking, do not get caught up in the... Uh, the the little bitty things, right? They don't get caught up on in using instruments and not using instruments in church, right? Sure. And immersion or sprinkling. Right. Native people right. don't really care a whole lot about that. Right. For the most the part. The denominational things that are big deals to some of our friends. Yeah. yeah. It's not an issue. Yeah. So when you are, I mean, you know, what one of our friends asked, aren't certain tribes polytheistic? Mm-hmm. So how do you share about a singular Jesus? 
in in tribes that have been traditionally taught that there are lots of gods. Yeah, as well, people say the same thing. Well, so you're you're saying you believe in a single God, but there's a Father, there's a Son, and there's a Holy Spirit. That's three. That sounds kind say of that. polytheistic to me, right? Yep. So you 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 encounter these kinds of questions, um, and one of the things that is and, and I love how, as Susan has shared with so many people is that we don't come in saying, you know, you've got to believe this and you've got to believe that. And, you know, we we believe the Holy Spirit is more than capable of, of working in people's hearts. But where Susan has done an amazing job over and over again is when she shares her own personal story. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she'll say something like, you know, so, or they'll ask her, how did you come out of this, you know, with the challenges you had growing up? And she'll say, well, this is my story. Yeah. This is what Jesus did for me. Mm-hmm. And if you want to buy into that, man, I'll show you how to do that. Yeah. But more than that, they've got to see it in their lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. And that's what they've done. And I think that, you know, he says that when he comes into your heart that he's your teacher, right? Yes. And he yes. shows you, because when he is in your heart, it's very, very hard to do things that are not of him. Because mm-hmm. your heart, your your spirit would be conflicted, yes. and and however, at the same time, sometimes it's conflicted because there's a certain bias that has been told about Native people. Like for instance, like I was told when I was when I first became a believer. How old were you? I was twenty. Oh wow! Okay. Mm-hmm. I was twenty, and up until that time, I had never heard the name of Jesus. Which I'm so glad. Oh my goodness! Right, because <laughs> you didn't have the baggage. Yes, because oh, there's yes. so much. I notice that's the thing with a lot of believers today is that they compartmentalize their faith, mm-hmm. and some are Baptist, some are Pentecostal, some are you know Catholic. Like there's just so many different boxes. Yes, because I grew up with um, on my reserve, so I grew up with our traditions. Like I grew up being in a Native community, yes. and so when I became a believer. I was told um, you can no longer dance powwow. You can no longer do your native dances. Oh, wow. And, and I asked them, I said, why? And they said, because it's against God. And I asked, I, and I said, why again? Yes. And they said, because it just is. So because I was a new believer, and as many people who are new believers, there's a certain amount of love that you feel towards him. Well, I still do, so it hasn't left. But it's just very intense. And so I had... After I left the Bible study that day, I, I, I told him, I said, okay. I said, I know. You told what, God this? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I'm like, <laughs> this is what I said to him. I said. <laughs> yeah, that's it. God? <laughs> I was like, um, if, you, if this is absolutely against you and you want me to stop dancing, then so be it. But you're going to have to explain to me why. Mm-hmm. Because it was... These dances that I did that saved my life, of how many times I tried to take my life because of the colonization process, the interference of the dysfunction that I grew up with, yes. um, I was like, this was what I found peace in. The sweat lodge where I would go to, I found peace there. I found love there. I found community there. So you need to tell me why this is wrong. So I went to... Um, so the next week, um, so I kept waiting for signs all week. Yeah, yeah. 
And the next week, we had gone to the Bible study again, and the man who— Were you on the reservation still? No, I was no. in Vancouver, B.C., because okay. okay. I became a believer um, April 20th, and then I moved to Vancouver, like, uh, almost two weeks later. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was I'm, that already planned, or did that no, happen because— It just happened. Yeah. So, um, We're going to have to have a whole episode this season, aren't we? <laughs> I know. I see what's coming. I'm about to have a whole side project where all I do is talk to you and your family. Okay, keep going. But, yeah, so we, so the next week we had gone to the Bible study, and there was a man at the Bible study named Peter. And he says, you know, last week Jacob said, you know, Susan wasn't allowed to practice her dances anymore. And he said, I, he says, it didn't feel right in my spirit. And so, and so uh, Peter, he's quite the scholar in, you know, the Bible. Like he reads it in and out and just totally, yeah, he's just, yeah, he's really good with it. Yeah. But um, he says, so I started reading and started looking at scripture and started seeing like, why is this wrong? He says, Susan, I just need to ask you a few questions. Like, are you at these powwows? Like, do you guys like, are you guys get intoxicated like with alcohol and stuff and, and do drugs or whatever? And I said, no. I said, because <laughs> I was like, we're, me growing up, the way how I was raised is that you were not allowed to have anything like that touch your, mm. touch you if you were in your outfit, because oh, right. it, yeah, it was just like there was a great level of respect and 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 he says, well, what else do you guys do? I was like, we eat, sing, dance, visit, and so he he said, well, I was looking in. Um, the Bible, and I looked at David, uh, came across David, and David was standing before the Lord, and he he danced before him naked, mm. and that should have been, been an a, um, abomination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, um, he says, and then I um, went further, and then I looked where it talked about the prodigal son, and it talked about the father when his when he saw his son come home, he said, my my son has come home, pre- prepare calf, my son has come home. Mm. And that night they sang and they danced. Yeah. He said that it doesn't. T- there's nothing in scripture that tells me that there's anything wrong with dancing. Wow. And from what you said is like you're not you're not worshiping anything there. And and, and even if and, and that's the thing people don't understand is that native people have a great respect for creation, for mm-hmm. people, for creation because without. You know, without your trees, you, you would have no air. That's right. Without your sun, the whole world would be completely dead. Yes. So there's a certain, you know, there's give respect where it's due. Yes. So that's, yes. It's beautiful. Can we talk for a second about Thanksgiving? Yeah. So when everyone's hearing this, it's uh, the day after Thanksgiving. <clears throat> do y'all celebrate Thanksgiving? <laughs> we do, yeah. Uh, we, we celebrate every opportunity we have to Gather together as a family and eat a lot of food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, that fits every culture. <laughs> right. So we. That's global. We may we, we don't necessarily celebrate the uh, uh, the mythological picnic between oh gosh, the pilgrims right. and the Wampanoags, right? <laughs> but the spirit of Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. right, is what we celebrate. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. idea of coming together with family and friends. Um, you know, we we know that. Uh, we had the, the luxury now of being able to understand how the early Thanksgiving actually took place and some of the stuff and the time frame and the reason for the celebrations and all of those things. Um, and it's it's not what we studied growing up, and it's not what we celebrated as kids in elementary school. Sure. Um, but the spirit of Thanksgiving, where we come together and we do show our thankfulness mm. Uh, to God for for everything, and hopefully we do it more than just once a year, yeah. right? Yeah, 
But that's but so from that perspective, we do celebrate it, and I get to watch the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, you and your Texas sports, man. Oh, did you watch the Cowboys against my Falcons? Oh, <laughs> bless the Lord! Yeah. What are we going to do? The Falcons? I cannot with them, Charles. I'm telling you, no one, nobody's testing my faith and perseverance like the Atlanta Falcons. It's the most spiritual thing I'm a part of. Susan, when I'm thinking about Thanksgiving. Is there a way if you're, you know, you're talking to a majority non-native audience right now, (laughs) would you rather us incorporate better education about Native Americans during Thanksgiving or just think about the spirit of Thanksgiving? Would you rather us do better education or remove that that fictional story from the narrative altogether? I think doing a better description. Okay. I don't think removing it, like, that doesn't do anything. It's just, like, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Yes. You know, just, like, tell the real story of what happened. Yes. You know, a lot of people like the good ending and the happy Indians and the happy pilgrims. Yes, the picnic, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the cornucopia. <laughs> right. Full of all the foods that they could not have grown there. <laughs> right, yes. right. And so, and maybe, maybe they have a Thanksgiving where they're thinking, thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for allowing our your that your people, you know, wanted to share the land. Yes. You know, that there's yes. there's a whole different type of Thanksgiving because we knew that we were not owners of this land, like we're stewards. Yes. And so I yeah, I think just having a better understanding about, you know, the Native Americans, First Nations people in yeah. Canada. Does Red Road have some resources for us around that that we could read and look up or get pointed toward? Yeah, we're actually, um, I'm actually working on several things right now. So, yeah. Okay. Are you working on a book about your life? I would well, like you to. I'm actually working on my mom's. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. If I can help at all, let me help. I would love to, I, I want to read that. So if I can help you get it out quicker, I'm here for you. Okay, Charles, we got to talk about cigars. Yes. Because now let's talk, we talk Thanksgiving, let's talk Christmas. Let's give some people some cigars for Christmas. Will you talk about your cigar company? Because yeah. we saved it last time because I want people to know about it now so we yeah. can go get them. So we um, we started the cigar company four years ago with the idea of the proceeds of the cigar sales to go to fund the work we do with the Red Road. Okay. Uh, and so uh, the cigars are rolled down in Nicaragua, uh, and one of the master blenders was, a, was an 83-year-old Cuban man uh, who is a legend in the Cuban cigar world. So yeah. they're, um, even if they did not have our name on them, it would, it, it, I, I would just say they're, as far as cigars go, they're really high-quality premium cigars. And so the cigars, the name of the cigars is Atsaniki. Mm-hmm. Atsaniki is my name in my wife's Blackfoot language. Atsaniki means storyteller. Oh, my gosh, that's your name in black, her Blackfoot language? Yeah. <gasps> That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's really cool. And we've got three different blends, and we've named these three cigars after three of our children. Oh, uh, wow. And so you can imagine the competition as to which cigar people like more between <laughs> right. the kids. And there's nine kids total now, That's so you right. got to get up your pr- we got to up, up our game. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we have like a mild, medium, and a, uh, and a fuller-bodied one. Spicy. Uh, Right. So the, the so the mildest is Nanaya, which means in Choctaw means peace or reconciliation. Okay. Uh, the Emaya is the next higher one of strength. Emaya means victorious 
in uh, in Choctaw, and then Tushke, which is the most the boldest, strongest, means warrior in Choctaw. Okay. And so yeah, so we uh, uh, they can go to our website at sanikicigars.com. and while we do not sell online, um, I will uh, direct the folks anybody interested. I'll direct them to shops that because we want to support the brick and mortars, the people okay. that are you know in, in the shops day in and day out. And uh, and they can order through these these friends of ours at the shops. Oh, great! So you have like a list of stores we can mm-hmm. contact. Yeah, yeah, because I think we're going to order a lot. So you need to warn some people. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> you mean you may need to warn some people because we're adding it to a gift guide. We're telling them today. We just give them yeah. give them some heads up that we're Thank coming. That that sounds Thank fun. You. Friends are coming for some cigars. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we cover from last time or from questions you've gotten? Anything you want to make sure we know so we do this real well and really educate ourselves well? You know, I, w- I would I would add this. It's with the Red Road and the work that Susan is doing there. Uh, she has developed these women's groups mm-hmm. on reservations where she's there for these women who are going through uh, suicides, addictions, abuse, hopeless, whatever it might be, right? Yeah. And, and either they're going through it or they have family members that are going through sure. it. And Susan walks with these women through these challenges and these issues. And uh, and I share that because I just want to applaud, say thank you to Susan for the work you do because you're having a huge impact on in Native communities and, and touching women's lives there and, and walking women back from the ledge and, and really giving them an opportunity to have hope in life. And, and she does that through the Red Road Ministry, so that's very yeah. special. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I hope our friends will continue to support the Red Road, uh, theredroad.org. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have, I mean, I have really loved following y'all on Instagram. I feel like I'm, I'm learning something literally every day that I didn't know. So I am really, really grateful. Yeah. I mean, y'all got to come back again at some point. Okay. Yeah. Is this okay, Susan? Are you willing to come back? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Most barely. She's like, Annie, give me a year. Give me a year and then I'll think about coming back. I'm sorry we didn't get to all, all, all the questions, but I hope we, I mean, we got to every sector, every section. Uh, books and movies. Do y'all have any recommendations of stuff people should read or listen to or watch? I think last time we recommended One Church, Many Tribes. Oh, did, did you? Do that? I don't remember that don't one. Remember. Maybe one so, church, many tribes. Okay. By Richard Twist, T W I S S. Yep. Okay. Uh, one church, many tribes is a great book. Um, neither wolf nor dog. That is an excellent book. Okay. And, and that's by Kent Urban. Okay. Neither Na- wolf nor dog. And mm-hmm. it is. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, it's a fantastic book. Okay. Great. Yeah. Um, we will. Both of those. We will read both of those. And then the We Were Children, I would recommend mm-hmm. everybody watch yeah. with other adults. And yeah. Indian Horse. Indian Horse. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's another really good one. It's of the same vein as We Were Children, but it's more cinematic. Okay. Okay. Great. Y'all, thanks again for doing this. I'm so grateful. The last question we always ask, you're going to have to come up with another answer this time. But Susan, it's your first time. The last question we always ask is, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Zumba? Zumba. Susan, I love Zumba. We should Zumba together. Wait, do you love going? Mm-hmm. Where do you go? In Franklin somewhere? Yes, at the FAC. Oh, um, wait a minute. Do you go to BFAB Fitness? I go with Javen. Yes. You go to Javen? With Girl, Javen and Kayla? Listen, yes. We have done the same class. That is so fun. Mm-hmm. That is, okay, good answer. How many days a week do you, do you just go once a couple? Well, once? I actually just started going back. Very good. Oh, yeah, but I used to go. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. But I started, used to go 
very regular before the pandemic. It's so fun. Oh my gosh. It's it's very like they're happy people. Yes, they're happy people. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like, that hour is done and I'm sweating so much and I laughed constantly. Mm-hmm. And it's you're the happy. Best. Yeah. Yes. Great. Yeah. Good answer. Very good answer. Challenging. Now you gotta come up with that good an answer. Well I will say this. I went with Zumba to her with her one time and I almost blew out my knee. <laughs> <laughs> so not as simple as it looks. But you know what sounds fun to me? Right now, the weather is so amazing. It's yeah. just being outdoors right now with the family. Leaves are falling. Uh, that sounds like a, that sounds fun to me, just being outside with family. Yeah. It's a little cold, Charles. <laughs> You're tougher than me. You're tougher than me. You're tougher than me. Thank you all again. I feel very honored you would let us ask questions. Let us bring our uneducated selves to your very educated self. And I appreciate your grace every time we've done this and every real life conversation we've had. I, I'm very thankful. I mean, this is real life, but I mean, not recorded. I'm just thankful that y'all are, you just are willing to educate and not judge me for what I don't know. Mm. So I'm very grateful. And thank you for uh, for caring enough to open up your, you know, your, your studio and your doors to us to be able to share and to be a part of this. Anytime, anytime. Let's get some cigars. Let's right. go. Here we go. Right on. <laughs>Oh, you guys, don't you just love them? They're just incredible. Okay, so in the show notes, you will see links, theredroad.org. If you want to donate to them, if you want to look there for resources, if you want to get pointed to some other Christmas gifts to offer to your friends and family this year, and a link to Charles's Cigar Company if you want to purchase those for Christmas. Make sure you are following them. Tell them thanks so much for being on the show and how much today helped. Oh, my gosh, I just felt like... I feel like I was in a class learning. It was so great. Thank y'all so much for your questions. Every single time we ask you, y'all send us the best questions for Q&A episodes, which another one's coming next week, and I'm really excited. So thank you guys so much. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me, and I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I'll do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me, oh man, like a turkey sandwich. Can we all just agree that the day after a turkey sandwich is the business? It's the business. That's what sounds great to me. So I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you have a restful week. Hope you enjoy watching some football all today, all tomorrow, all weekend long. We'll see you back here on Monday with a good friend of ours who's been on the show before. I'm so glad he's back. My buddy Scott Harrison from Charity Water. We'll see you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend.